Hello and welcome back, WestBankBibleChurch.com. Today we will be on lesson number 43 in the book of Daniel. Today being the last day of 2023, hopefully you finished everything you wanted to accomplish and we get to start fresh again tomorrow with a brand new year and hopefully bigger and better things for everyone. This being the last day of the year, of course, that means New Year's Eve and all the revelry that goes along with that, also known as amateur night out there on the road. So please be careful if you're going to attend any functions. If you choose to stay up and ring in the new year, Please say Happy New Year, representing my household, because I think we'll be long since asleep. But, anyhow, Daniel Lesson 43, but before we begin, as is our custom, let's remember 1 John 1, 9, as may or may not be necessary. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless this lesson, both the teacher and the listener. Help them to metabolize this doctrine to the soul. Thank you for your blessings and keep us safe in the coming year. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So as I mentioned before, lesson number 43 in the book of Daniel. Since we missed a week of this with the uh, Christmas special last week, let's do an expanded translation of Daniel chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Nebuchadnezzar asked the three boys, Did you intentionally not bow down to worship my God? I hope you now realize that all of you are in serious trouble. The mere act of refusing to bow and worship, whether intentional or not, is a serious crime. If your actions were not deliberate, then the next time you hear the music, be sure you fall down and worship the image, and if you do, I will forget the whole thing. Be certain, however, if you do not obey, you'll be thrown into the fiery furnace, and I can assure you there is no God anywhere powerful enough to save you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not even have to consider our answer. O king, supreme ruler of Babylon, if it is our God's desire to deliver us, he is infinitely able to rescue us from that fiery furnace. We know his fact that our Jehovah God has the power to do whatever he chooses to do. But even if Jehovah God doesn't choose to save us, we still won't worship your gods and the idolatrous image you have created. Nebuchadnezzar's face twisted with anger at the response from the three young men. He shouted in order, Heat the furnace, seven times hotter than it has ever been heated. The king obviously wanted his command carried out immediately, so he ordered the special bodyguards who stood by to bind the hands and feet of the young Jewish hostages 
and take the three of them to the furnace where they were to be cremated alive. The special guard unit immediately complied with the king's order. They tied up the three Jews who were still dressed in their royal robes, trousers, jewelry, and turbans. They were dragged to the furnace where they were to be thrown alive into the blazing inferno. All right, now we will see how an ill-thought order permitting no time for planning is hurriedly carried out to the demise of several of Babylon's bravest warriors. Daniel, 30, Daniel 3.22 in the KJV. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then in the NIV, the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. From this verse, we learn a principle. Judgment should never be made in the heat of anger. Time must elapse so that the decision might be an objective one. This is true both personally and nationally. A good example nationally is the perennial call to pass gun laws in the wake of an assassination of a president or a school shooting. Again, clear thinking is not possible when an individual is controlled or influenced by emotion. But I'll throw in, that's why they bang on it at that time, trying to prey on that. Note that the circles of consequences resulting from the king's mental attitude sins are ever-widening. The brave and loyal soldiers who took the three prisoners to the furnace were dead. What a tremendous blow this must have been to the morale of the military. Their commander-in-chief had caused the sacrifice of several members of his elite bodyguard because of a rash decision made in anger. The fire had been stoked to such an extent that all of the excessive combustion forced the fire out of the furnace when one of the soldiers lifted the iron door. It would seem the furnace was quite large with a large door. Some have conjectured it must have been on top. It was certainly large enough to accommodate four men. Before we find out what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, let me provide an expanded translation of verse 22. The furnace had been heated beyond prudence. The soldiers, without proper planning, approached the large furnace, opened the door, and the flames from inside blew out the open door, engulfing and killing some number of the king's bodyguards. Now for another of several miracles in verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the fiery furnace. In the NIV, and these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Amazingly enough, while the men who were ordered to cast Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace were slain when they opened the door to the furnace, the prisoners themselves were not harmed. They were thrown into the red-hot furnace, their hands and feet 
securely tied, but not for long. Let me give you the expanded translation of verse 23. A second squad mounted the furnace carrying Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They carefully opened the door to the furnace and threw each man headlong into the fire. Now let's see Nebuchadnezzar's reaction to the events in verse 24. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. In the NIV, Then Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, O king. Nebuchadnezzar had earlier arrived and positioned himself where he could watch the execution, or perhaps he had rushed to the scene when he heard of the demise of several of his elite bodyguards. Whatever the case, he has at this point made his way to the door of the furnace where he curiously looked inside the giant boiler. He no doubt expected to hear the screams of the condemned. Strangely enough, there were no screams. The king peered into the opening Nebuchadnezzar was not astonished, he was shocked at what he saw. The condemned men were hale and hearty, unharmed by the flames. The king must have thought, there's no way these guys could live in such temperatures. Perhaps this was the first time in his life that the king had faced such a bewildering situation. What had gone wrong? In sheer amazement, he turned to his counselors, and let's look at verse 25, first in the KJV. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. NIV. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. The term four men loose is a reference to Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and the Lord Jesus Christ. The leather straps around their wrists and ankles were burned away. Nebuchadnezzar could see four people walking in the midst of the fire. Three had gone into the furnace tied, most likely with leather straps. The only things the flame had consumed were their shackles, the very things which kept them from moving around. Often God uses adversity to release us from the shackles of sin and evil. Both sin and evil immobilizes us as we try to walk the Christian life. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. When the shackles are broken, we are free to walk by means of the Spirit, a walk which can only successfully be accomplished when done by faith. It's important to note the difference in the KJV and the NIV concerning the appearance and identification of the fourth member of the fire. 
You and I know the identity of the fourth in the fire. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. But Nebuchadnezzar does not identify him as such. In the best manuscripts we have, Dame Labad Elehim, and is therefore better as translation in the NIV, like a son of the gods. The king at this point is not able to recognize Jesus as his Lord and Savior. This must wait his conversion, recorded and proclaimed in chapter 4. This historical event of four men in the fire illustrates a tremendous principle in the doctrine of suffering. God has designed human suffering for the blessing of the believer. We receive maximum benefit from suffering only when there is a consistent daily intake of Bible doctrine. Suffering helps us to move towards spiritual maturity and occupation with Christ. The pattern of 1 Peter 1, 7 and 8, which we are in the process of studying, ultimately results in fantastic blessing. Verse 7 and 8 of 1 Peter that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Remember the principle. If you are ever in the furnace of adversity, there is only one way to cope with that situation, and that is by faith. God will be with us in the midst of the fiery furnace. God guarantees not necessarily a deliverance from suffering, but out of the midst of of suffering. And I reference 1 Corinthians 10.13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. In other words, he may permit the suffering to continue, but you can ride it out in perfect peace and happiness by means of his provisions. These three men had now reached their greatest moment in the midst of maximum pressure. Jesus Christ walked with them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had no doubt earlier suffered on their way to the furnace, but in their deliverance they were glorified and in addition God himself also glorified in that deliverance. Suffering is something we will all experience. Suffering is physical, physical and or mental. Suffering might manifest itself in a loss of health, wealth, friends, family, or guilt reaction, psychosis, etc. Suffering is temporary or permanent loss of happiness and mental tranquility. There are two general reasons for suffering. To get an unbeliever to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved, 
for to get a believer to move to the next level of spiritual maturity. Both believer and unbeliever suffered in time, but only the unbeliever suffers in eternity. Revelation 20.15 If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation 21.4 He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Let's fast forward for a moment and look at suffering from the perspective of the unbelieving king. Nebuchadnezzar in chapters 2 and 3 had seen the power of God in action in the lives of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Although he had seen miracles, he had apparently not passed the point of no return, i.e. he had not committed the unpardonable sin. How faithful is God, Romans 1.20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the kings that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. God will continue to work with the great king and his salvation will come after loss of part of his kingdom and after a bout with insanity. Daniel chapter 4 is actually a gospel tract written by this king describing the depths to which he sank before he accepted Christ as his Savior. Nebuchadnezzar's salvation tract. Verses 1 through 4 is an introduction to his written historical message. Daniel 4 verse 1 through 4. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the peoples, Nations and men of every language who live in all the world, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. Nebuchadnezzar was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. Verses 5 through 9 describe his predicament. He had a dream and he wanted someone to interpret it. So let's look at chapter 4, verse 5 through 9. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in my bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but that they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. He is called Belshazzar, after the name of my God and the spirit of the holy God is in him. I said, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. 
Well, verses 10 through 12 describe the greatness of his kingdom, which began at about 620 B.C. when he took over from his dad. Verse 10 through 12. These are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the beast of the field found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in its branches. From its every creature was fed. And then verses 13 to 18 describe the demise of the king as he is likened to a felled tree, but there is hope. In verse 15, the tree is to be wrapped with iron and bronze, a technique in antiquity to keep the tree from splitting so it could grow again. There is always hope for the unbeliever until that last sin unto death. After that, God has done all things possible for him or her in order to motivate salvation faith. So verses 13 through 18. And the visions I saw while lying in my bed, I looked, and there before me was a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, Cut down the tree and trim off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals amongst the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass him by. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of men. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of these wise men in my kingdom can interpret for me. But you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. And then verses 19 to 27, Daniel interprets the dream, making it clear the Lord was going to move mightily in the life of Nebuchadnezzar, the brave young Hebrew must tell the king the bad news. And that's in verse 19 to 26. Then Daniel, also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belshazzar, do not let the dreams or its meaning alarm you. Belshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, 
with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter the beast of the field, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds of the air, you, O king, are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. You, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field. While its roots remain in the ground, let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live like the wild animals until seven times passed by for him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord, the king. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. Oh, he wished. All right, that concludes lesson number 43 in the book of Daniel. Happy New Year to you. Have a wonderful 2024. If there's anyone out there without Jesus Christ and their Lord as their Lord and Savior, please take the time, sit down, name your sins back, and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for writing this word, these verses, this book. Thank you for sending your Son to pay the ultimate price for our sins that we may be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. Thank you for all your many blessings. So, so abundant. Bless us. Keep us safe. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So until next time. So long.